Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Smart Cities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are absolutely in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. We found a quote from a gentleman named Harsh Tiku, T-I-K-K-U, Director at Soft Age Information Technology in India, from an article written about him in entrepreneur.com. And let me read the quote. The role of digital technology is critical to monitor the wide array of aspects of city living connecting every citizen to policy making and administration. So obviously you are listening to us here on Game Changing Smart Cities of the Future and we're talking about citizens. We're talking about digital technology. We're talking about connecting and getting everybody together. So let's talk a little bit further before I introduce my three special guests. The road to a truly smart city is paved with gold. I know you've heard that before but it's not the kind of gold you would weigh or you would go to a jeweler for. It's in the form today of technology and collaboration. Let me break it down for you. Technology enables the smart city through what we call digitalization of administrative processes, analytics, and the ability to visualize information. So much data swirling around, you have to be able to do something productive with it. Collaboration gets everyone in the city together as well as the ecosystem partners who may be beyond the borders of the city to share this information, to gain insights. Why? You need to make progress continually and be resilient in the face of challenges and we all know what those are from all of these shows we've done here on the Smart City series. So is your city there yet? Oh, come on, be honest. Are you really a smart city? We have three panelists who are going to help us take a deep dive today into the roles of technology and collaboration. Let me tell you who they are before I introduce them. In just a moment, you'll be meeting Michelle Hovitt, Client Innovation Director for KSM Consulting, and she has been on with us before. We're delighted to welcome her back. And the other two panelists are newcomers. We have Professor Dr. Shireen Etazadzadi. She is an economist and the president of SmartCity.Institute. We'll be meeting her in a moment. And rounding out the panel is one of my colleagues at SAP, Holger Talovitz, director Future Cities, Blockchain, Industry Business Unit, Public Services at SAP. And that's a very long business card, Holger, it really is. So if we still had printed business cards, but thing of the past. So now let me introduce Michelle Hovitt. Michelle has sent us a wonderful quote from Simon Sinek. He's still around, born in 1973, British-American author, motivational speaker, marketing consultant. He has written such books, you may know them. Start with Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action, and Leaders Eat Last, Why Some teams pull together and others don't. I'll stop there. And here's the quote. What good is an idea if it remains an idea? Try, experiment, iterate, fail, try again, change the world. Michelle Hovitt, delighted to have you back. How have you been? Good, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on the show again. I'm excited to be here. We're delighted. Talk to me about the quote. I love it. Yeah, so this is the world I think we're living in right now. Um, In every community that we uh, live in or the ones that we work for or the ones we're trying to get smart, I think what we need to do now with all of this emerging technology is to start. Start small, iterate, 
understand what the issues are with the smart technologies and connecting them to people. Finally, I think what this allows us to do, um, whether you're in city government, state government, or other government across the globe, it allows you to try something, experiment, fail, try again, but you're ultimately trying to change the world. And what I love about this is if you stop and pause a minute and think about your citizens first and what they're trying to do, I think they'll join you down this path of going quickly, seeing what works, what doesn't, instead of doing the larger projects, trying to get something started. So I love this one. I think we can all do this in our everyday lives. Thank you, Michelle. I have a question for you. Which came first, the technology or the collaboration? Interesting question. (laughs) <laughs> Interesting question, and you know, my technologist hat would absolutely love to go to technology, but um, being a human being, I think we need to collaborate first, figure out the real why, what the real problem is, what is it we're trying to solve, um, and fit the need to the person, the citizen in this case, and then move forward. Thank you very much, and my guess is that we have to collaborate before we decide what technology to bring in to the smart city so we can collaborate better. It's probably almost a tautology, a a strip that just goes around in a circle, and it just keeps feeding itself, right? The technology, then the collaboration, and enabling each other. Is that a good way of looking at it? Exactly, and it ties right back to the quote, try, experiment, iterate, fail fast, try again, but it's all on the premise or the foundation of that technology. Beautiful thing. Thank you, Michelle. Happy to have you back. And now let's welcome one of our newcomers today, Dr. Shireen. I'll spell her name for you. C-H-I-R-I-N-E is her first name. Last name is E-T-E-Z-A-D-Z-A-D-E-H, Eta Zadzadi, and she is at SmartCity.Institute. And Shireen has sent me a quote from a band named Black Foos, I'm going to say it that way, F-O-O-S-S. And it's a music group from Cologne, Germany, started in 1970, and their music is a cross between schlager and pop. They also perform jazz, blues, rock, and reggae. And those of you who like me have no idea what schlager music is. It's catchy instrumental accompaniment to vocal pieces of pop music with easy to understand, happy-go-lucky, and often sentimental lyrics prevalent in Germany and Central and Northern Europe. I'll leave it at that. Here are the lyrics. You are the city we all do dig. You already made us love you as children. You have a lovely smile on your face. You are the woman who cries her eyes out. Shireen, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Hello, Bonnie. Thank you for your invitation. It's good to be here. (laughs) Thank you. I love the idea that you've introduced me to a new form of music. I had no idea what it was, and I hope I did my homework right. Tell me a little bit about this. What does the lyrics mean to you? We're talking about smart cities, technology, collaboration. Who is the woman who's crying her eyes out, Shireen? You know, these are the lyrics of a love song for the city of Cologne. There are actually thousands of love songs uh, for the city of Cologne because Cologne is a very livable city that promotes diversity and social cohesion. And it has a green city belt, the river Rhine, and huge, a huge cathedral in the heart of the city, and a very cool, creative and very cool and creative and friendly inhabitants, and it's actually wonderful to live there. And within the song you just mentioned, which is, which, whose name is You Are the City, the lyrics describe the special relationship between the citizens and their hometown. And the most touching line in the song are the words, You are our mom, and you stay beautiful forever. You are, are our beloved, beautiful city. And you see, this song is almost an anthem. And uh, why do I mention this? Um, because from my perspective, 
these words highlight an aspect we should never forget within our smart city development processes, and that is the livability within a city. All of us want to live in a healthy, clean, beautiful, green environment that feeds us and provides us with infrastructural services, that gives us jobs and security for our children and families. And now digitization and efficiency can help to reach those targets. But we shouldn't forget that city management requires much more than that and much more than a business perspective. And that is why I mentioned this text. I think this could be a nice um, idea for our um, interview now. Shireen, I really appreciate it. I, I love the lyrics. The idea of the city embracing and being the mom of the inhabitants is such a beautiful thought. Thank you so much. It's yeah, a real pleasure very to touching. Be you. Very touching. And we'll be talking to you a lot more during the show. And now let me welcome our third panelist, Holger Talowitz. If anybody wants to look him up, T-A-L-L-O-W-I-T-Z. And Holger has uh, selected a quote from Ray Kurzweil. Come on, everybody. You know we've talked about Ray Kurzweil on the the show many times on different parts of the Game Changers franchise, I'll call it. We have almost 35 series now. Kurzweil has written seven books. Five have been national bestsellers. Uh, how about The Age of Spiritual Machines, translated into nine languages? And the book we're going to be talking about, uh, the title of just a second with Holger is The Singularity is Near. It was a New York Times bestseller and has been the number one book on Amazon in science and philosophy. In case you don't recognize Kurzweil's name, He was the principal inventor of the first charge-coupled device flatbed scanner, the first omni-font optical character recognition, the first print-to-speech reading machine for the blind, etc., etc. And there's even a Kurzweil K250 music synthesizer that can simulate the sound of a grand piano and orchestral instruments. He did that, too. Very, very, very smart guy. And Holger has picked three words from Kurzweil's book, Singularity is Near. Holger, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Hello, everybody. Thank you very much. I'm very fine and very happy to participate here. Thank you. Talk to me so, about the quote. Yeah. It, it looks a little bit short, but, you know, I'm a technician, so we are always short in the statements. Anyway, <laughs> um, and despite making music, I love the song that uh, Shireen mentioned here as well, uh, not far away from where I'm living. Um, you know, Singularity is near. It's, it's, I think, a very popular statement and uh, you know singularity means that's the um, step when you pass the event horizon of a black hole and this is what I think here what is a was a challenge in that way a lot of people in cities and of course anywhere else are afraid of technology they cannot mm-hmm. follow that speed of development or evolvement of technology and technology of course as you all know has a very um, big impact on our daily life and it's it's growing fast, it's evolving fast, it's evolving in an exponential way. We as people, we are used to live linearly, you know, and um, this is a challenge here that we see, and this I wanted to illustrate with these three words from Ray Kurzweil. By the way, I know his synthesizer is quite good. I'm a musician as well. Um, <laughs> good. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Um, and um, I, I love them very much. So what I think is, and this is what I wanted to, to, to point out here, is, you know, when we see 
Uh, today we say um, every 18 months, something like that, the knowledge of the mankind doubles. This is the exponential growth, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, we as, as people, we are not used to that that easily. So we need to find a way how to cope with that, how to work with that. And uh, at the end, you know, or at the beginning, it's both a process uh, part. Um, we want to build smart cities for smart citizens. So this means that we not only develop technology, but we need to enable our citizen to make use of it. So uh, in other words, city, um, uh, smart cities are there for smart citizens, means the digital, the digital needs to serve the analog that we as human beings. And I think it's, um, it's somehow in uh, um, resonating to that what um, uh, both Michel and Shireen uh, said in other words. So I see this here clearly as a challenge and as a task for us to, to, that you have to fulfill. Okay? Thank, thank you, Holger. That was great. I'm wondering, what, what kind of music do you play if you're using a Kurzweil K250? <laughs> uh, electronic music, obviously, but you know, you can use um, a synthesizer for much more than this. And uh, I do, uh, I have a classical uh, education in music and um, I play as well guitar and drums and stuff like that in the big band. And that doesn't matter. It's okay. We can talk about this later in another show. Oh, it does, <laughs> it does matter some, because... Some pieces you know, of music that I do. <laughs> you know something, Holger? So much, Game, Game yeah. Changers Radio is yeah. all about the people on the panel, not just the topic. And we're talking yeah. about collaborating, so yeah. we are very interested. But we'll, we'll yeah. come back to you in a minute. I'm going to circle around the table to Michelle yeah. Hovind because Michelle knows the next yeah. thing to, I'm going to ask her is where is she calling from today? And what, do, what Michelle, are you drinking right now? If it's interesting, if not, what would you rather be drinking that makes you smile. Go ahead, Michelle. Um, great questions for lots of reasons. I am in beautiful Genesee, Colorado, right in the middle of the Rocky Mountains on a beautiful blue sky day with snow-capped mountains. So I'm very excited to be calling from here. And then my drink I'm drinking today is green tea. Am I drinking it of choice? No, but I am fasting today. So the drink I would rather have would be something laden with sugar, but we're not doing that today. So... Oh my goodness! Can I ask about the fast? Is it is it uh, something of choice? Is it you want to tell me? <laughs> it is. It's intermittent fasting. So I do um, eighteen six. So I fast for eighteen hours and eat only for six during the day, and it helps with um, cell regeneration, focus, clarity, brain fog, and weight loss. Wow, you hit all the points there, lady. That's fascinating. I'll have to email you separately and find out about that program. Sounds very good and sounds like it takes a lot of self-control, but maybe you can convince me. Thank you very much and welcome, and I'm glad you're enjoying your tea. And now let's go to Shireen Etazadzadi. And Shireen, I know we called you, so tell us where you are today and what do you love to drink, please? What powers you? Today I'm in Ger I'm calling from Germany and uh, I'm currently in my office in Ludwigsburg, which is a beautiful, uh, um, beautiful city close to Stuttgart, where uh, which is the Mercedes Benz town. So maybe you know Stuttgart. Uh, however, uh, let me tell you a short story. I had been on a business trip in Asia two weeks ago, and on a hot and rainy Saturday afternoon. In Bangkok, I took uh, one or two hours off. And uh, so what I did is I found a tuk-tuk, you know, those little taxis, mm -hmm. and uh, drove through the warm rain and busy Bangkok traffic to the Mandarin Oriental Hotel to have a high tea. And oh. over there in this beautiful um, hotel, they served me a lemongrass tea with homemade chocolate truffles and a fresh orange juice. So just the other program uh, than 
Chad is doing right now. And while I enjoyed my drinks, I listened to the great quartet that played some classical music in the lobby. And uh, yeah, in this moment, uh, I'm having a ginger lemongrass tea in my cup to remember this moment and some Belgian chocolate on the table. This is not yet the same uh, since the tea comes from a tea bag, but it reminds me of this beautiful moment in Bangkok and um, yeah, brings me through these winter days in Germany. Shireen, you are absolutely charming. That's a beautiful story, and I'm thinking this lady really knows how to live. <laughs> you really, I do. really, you certainly <laughs> Next do. Next time a, we meet, Bonnie. Yes. Next we, time we, we meet, we're gonna have yes. a high tea together. I would love that. I, I have to tell you, I was once on my way in the middle of dead of winter living in Oregon, uh, taking a flight over Christmas to Cancun, and I had a stopover in San Francisco. So I got on a bus and went to downtown, and the ice capades were there with Peggy Fleming. I waited online in the rain in a fancy green suede suit, and people were selling tickets on the side of the line. I bought tickets for center fifth row, and I went in and saw the ice capades, and I took the bus back to the airport, and the flight for Cancun left at four in the morning and I had seen the ice capades up close. So I consider that living well as well. You know, you just, you have to take the detours. Thank thank you, Shireen, for the wonderful, <laughs> wonderful memory. That was great. Holger, I can't challenge you, but we have two very interesting yep. stories here. So where are you today and what do you love to drink? Um, first of all, today I have a very good role. I'm a so-called CHO. This is the chief home officer. So I'm working from home today. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, but the drinks here are quite simple. In the morning, you know, the only thing I need is uh, caffeine directly injected. And in the afternoon, late <laughs> afternoon, then as a typical German, as a typical German, I would, um, have one of the, uh, different of, of the, uh, I think 6,000 different brands of beer that we have in Germany. Do you okay. have a favorite so one? I invite you for a good beer. Yeah, believe me, all brewed by the uh, based on the purity law, though it's always good. <laughs> Glad to know that. Do you have one favorite beer you want to recommend to us, Holger? Um, no advertisement here. <laughs> <laughs> we always we always get brand names. I, I have to tell you, it was funny when you said you like you like your uh, your coffee injected. Uh, we have a term I use called high yeah. test. We used to use at the pump before the days of unleaded gas. You'd drive up to a gas station and you'd say, fill it up high test, meaning the highest octane. Yeah. So when I think of coffee yeah, yeah. with right. full caffeine, we say high test. So inject, yes, I get that very much. Uh, I just want to yeah. tell the three of you, and Michelle may remember, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. So all yeah. I'm allowed to have is water. And Michelle, I relocated to Durham, North Carolina, and I'm here with my cool, clear mug with cool, clear water and a pink straw because it is snowing, sleeting, and raining here in Durham. I can't even see out of the windows. So far, no snow is sticking, but they're predicting it. So what can wow. I tell you? It, it followed me down here, and it was 72 <laughs> degrees a week ago, so I, I can't keep up with it. And the trees are all blooming on the parkways, the cherry trees, the apple blossom trees. They're all gorgeous. And here we are, 37 degrees in sleet today. I rest my case. So you're listening. Listening to our dear listeners, listening to Game Changing Smart Cities of the Future. We have three wonderfully very smart panelists here, all in different cities, talking about cities. And our topic today is making your city smart. And we're doing a formula today, technology plus collaboration. How well is your city doing? Do you have the technology you need to 
get the data, find the data, bring it in, analyze it, put it into use, make it information? And are you collaborating among your citizens, among your business people, among different organizations, among the government, among your ecosystem partners? There's a lot going on that makes a city truly, truly smart. Where is yours on the scale of smartness? We might help you figure it out in the rest of the show. My very special guests are Michelle Hovet at KSM Consulting, Professor Dr. Shireen Etazadzadi at Smart, smartcity.institute and Holger Talovitz at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a really, really short break and we'll be right back with a lot more. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly city and local government leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as increased citizen and business demands for digital services, a growing variety of digital devices and sensors causing a data deluge, and increased volatility in politics and environment, coupled with constrained resources. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Game-changing smart cities of the future is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You're listening to Game-Changing Smart Cities of the Future, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game-Changing Smart Cities of the Future. Welcome back. You're listening to Game Changing Smart Cities of the Future Radio, and I have three very special panelists, Michelle Hovitt at KSM Consulting, back for another round with us. We're pleased to have her, and two newcomers, Professor Dr. Shireen Etazadzadi and Holger Talowitz, and pleased to have them on the panel. Michelle Hovitt's going to start the roundtable, and here is where we're going to begin with some statements she sent me before the show. Quote from Michelle, we are all citizens somewhere. Oftentimes people think about smart cities and think about technology, being connected in new ways, sustainability, livability, and resiliency. But what does that really mean for people, citizens, businesses? Michelle, love to know more about this. Please talk to me. Sure. So, you know, I think we're all in the people business, right? In this um, game we call the human life. And so while we love to throw technology at solutions and move towards things like smart cities, I think it all really starts with the empathetic look at what is really needed by 
the citizens of the community. So we start with citizens. That's my thought is that's a good place to start. We have to be mindful because sometimes when you start with citizens, they don't always think about the cost of these technologies. So they may love emerging technologies, but it's not quite yet feasible for cities to undertake. But that's just something to tuck away for a future conversation on the show. So we really need to look at smarties from a citizen perspective, I think. And there's a couple things that have come out that really struck me this year around smart cities. And one of them is called the soul of the city. So what is the soul of the city? It's really that human element. Then how do we engage technology to tap into that momentum, to that soul, to that livelihood, to that community? Again, I think if we stop and pause, we are all citizens somewhere. Um, Many times, um, except for Holger today, he's working from home. (laughs) Um, Many times we all travel away from our home and go to work, perhaps even in another city. We don't see what's happening every day on the street or we're in an office Mm -hmm. building in the city in which we live. But we don't see all the activities that are happening, the trash removal, um, the safety issues that are occurring and being solved every day. So there's just things that happen in the city with or without our perspective. And so what I would like to see is citizens being more engaged in the community. I love the trend also that we're seeing now of elected officials being more engaged in technology. Most days, uh, my, my past experience is in government as a deputy city manager and a CIO, and many days when you're in City Hall, you're busy fighting the fires that walk in your door. You have citizens coming in talking about developments, talking about projects coming up, talking about budgets, those types of things, but you don't often hear or see or experience what's happening in the community or thinking about emerging technology. So there are events that are happening across the U.S., one starting today, for example, South by Southwest, that... um, Mm -hmm many mayors across our country in the U.S. are attending, and they're trying to figure out how can they be more collaborative? How can they look at the future and engage in these emerging technologies? And how do you try, experiment, iterate from my opening statement? How do you get that going? And what I'm hearing from this is that cities are trying to figure out how to be more creative and collaborative and solve real city problems, and those real city problems often start with people. So the buzzword that I'm hearing out of all of this in 2018 is convergence, and that's bringing collaboration together with public sector, with citizens, and again, putting ourselves in our own shoes with empathy as a citizen, we can really um, relate and experience what could be needed in a city instead of leading with a technology device. Let's start from our own thought processes, our own experiences, and drive that forward. Very thoughtful. I, I'm going to bring Shireen on this, but I have a quick question, Shireen, a quick question for Michelle, if you don't mind my interjecting here. Michelle, when you say we are all citizens somewhere and you mentioned traveling for business, what about we are all tourists somewhere, but when we are tourists in a city, we become citizens for those moments in time if we use the bus, the train, the cab, go in an office building, maybe throw something in a trash can. Don't we temporarily become part of that smart city as a temporary citizen? We absolutely do. And I think as tourists, um, to your point, I think we actually enjoy the amenities more because we have to rely on them because we don't have our own resources like a car or other things. So I love that distinction. And to your point, cities often think of um, the stakeholders that they will utilize or plan for. So they think of citizens, they think of businesses, they think of tourists. But I think you're right, Bonnie. We're all one one person. It doesn't matter where we're at. So I love that Thank distinction. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I just, I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait, we're all sitting, well, we're all, yes, we are. Thank you so much, Shireen. Love to get your thoughts on what Michelle started and, and or my comment. Go ahead, Shireen. What are you thinking? 
I absolutely agree to what you, both of you said before. We really have to realize that cities were created by people for the people. And that is why urban development should focus on people and their basis of existence was actually the natural environment we live in. And what, what I think should, the target should be is when we are starting smart city development processes, uh, that we should integrate the residents and um, bring them to the moment to develop a communal vision of their city of the future. And this mm-hmm. city of the future can um, absolutely address the aspects you mentioned before, Bonnie, to make um, uh, the, uh, the city life as easy as possible, to integrate systems, to make it easy to um, to come uh, as an, a tourist into a city, to um, orient, uh, to be uh, have a good orientation within the city, to use the infrastructures like uh, mobility systems and so on. And um, yeah, I think that the city government should be the one who should incorporate this vision and uh, and integrate this vision that people developed into an urban development plan. But before we can start to develop such a perspective, we need information. We need education uh, to arouse interest um, uh, of the people, uh, to start to um, involve the people, to make them participate in our processes and to activate them. And in the end, if we gave them this kind of education and information they need to speak about smart cities, they can assume responsibility and start to, to create their smart city uh, themselves. Because I think this will be a top-down process, but it will also be a bottom-up process. And the most important thing of these processes is to keep in mind that we absolutely start customer centered product development and to create real tangible benefits. If we don't create tangible benefits in the smart city process, we don't have to have to start the development. And this is, for me, the most important aspect for, um, uh, for um, developing new cities and to integrate digitization into the city. Thank you, Shireen. Very eloquent. And I'm going to bring Holger in. Holger, we'd love to get your thoughts on what Michelle started and any of the thoughts that follow. Go ahead, please. Yeah, um, of course, was was very smart what you said. No question, about, no doubt about this. It, it leads me to the question or to the fact that uh, what, what I have seen in, in various uh, sessions and meetings and so on with city responsibles across the world or around the world, um, very often cities or municipalities are lacking a real strategic understanding of what digitization or digitalization means. So they are looking for some, let's say, low-hanging fruits like smart parking or um, uh, humble lump posts or smart ways or whatever. But, you know, this is... um this is something that they can do, but this is something eclectic, you know, something here, something there, but there's no real strategy behind. And uh, this is what Shireen said, a fully agreed set is fine, uh, but it needs to be brought into a complete, holistic, and let's say harmonic uh, strategic concept for a city. Otherwise, it will not work. I mean, to say it a little bit mm, provocative, you know, things like smart parking mm-hmm. or uh, these things, uh, for those who are dealing with the future things of cities and, and technology, this is already archaeology, 
you know. So this is something that is, is not in, of, of any interest anymore. I mean, it's technically easy going, easy doing, but, you know, it's one element only of uh, making a city smart, you know. And so we need <clears throat> to plan it, we need to pilot it, and we need to bring it into a permanent procedure then to, to run all these nice things like humble lumpos or environment sensors and all these things. And this then will bring all together these, these data that we can use them in, um, uh, in a correlation to make then better predictions, simulations in order to plan the city in, in a better way to make it more livable for the citizen. That's what I see here. Thank you, Holger. Very, very interesting. Michelle, you started this fascinating topic. Good conversation. You want to wrap it up? Anything you'd like to add? Um, Shereen and Holger have said, I think we're at leading edge of smart cities. Um, other cities are looking to eat other cities to figure out what works, what doesn't. And to Holger's point, to be strategic, I think is key. Um, I see a lot of cities struggling. Um, they perhaps look to one solution or another, but not truly understanding the real need. And I also really like the Shereen brought up that these need to be tangible benefits. So citizens as well as staff need to feel and experience the outcomes and start to measure those. So I think, you know, that full circle of starting, iterating, designing, getting ideas, mm -hmm. moving them forward, but more importantly, measuring them to make sure they're getting the outcome so it is fitting people, in this case the citizens, and what their needs are. Even, you know, thinking about it a little bit differently, like in the sharing economy, when there's a disruption in something like Airbnb, Uber, there was a need out there that we just weren't quite seeing. We are all frustrated by it, but now that we're experiencing this different type of service, it becomes a utility for us. So what can cities do with smart city initiatives to make these more utility and part of the framework and fabric of our communities? Thank you very much, Michelle. Shireen, I'm looking at your notes here, and here's something interesting I'd like to talk about. I'm just going to read the statement, and then we can go with it. You say, uh, a city's overriding goal is its ability to function. And then you put in parentheses, the, oh, we have a dog. Whose dog have we got? Do we have a name? Yeah, I'm watching at home. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Shereen, yeah. the, the, the term is a city's overriding goal is its ability to function. You put in resilience. Infrastructures determine functionality. Smart cities need smart infrastructure. What I'd love for you to focus on, Shereen, in this part of the show is talking about resilience. Resilience for what? Resilience means a pushing back against something. So what is it? Is it, is it uh, overcrowding? Is is it a lack of uh, electricity? Is it uh, storms? Is it traffic? Talk to us about this concept of functioning against resilience. Go ahead, Shireen. Yeah. Um, the overriding goal of a city is, as you mentioned, to remain functional. And to remain functional, we are, the functionality, functionality is primarily determined by the city's infrastructures. Uh, the infrastructures enable urban coexistence and um, enable us to be sustainable and they determine our living and working conditions, our living and working conditions yeah, within the city. And uh, we have to make those uh, smart infrastructures smart in order to get a smart city. Um, to remain functional requires also that we become resilient. What mm -hmm. do we understand uh, from this term? 
this term resilience is something like an immune system of your body for our city and uh, it protects us um, against uh, potential adverse event, events like natural disasters, technical failures, human errors, acts of terror, sabotage, war, cyber attacks, and also the wear and tear of the material. For example, um, the material of a, of a bridge um, gets old and we have to take care for it. If not, we get some problems with the bridge. Yeah, And um, this um, um, attitude to become more resilient uh, or the target uh, requires that we prepare for this kind of event, that we take them into account, that we protect against them, cope with them, and also recover from them in the moment uh, when we were hit. And this requires that we continuously adapt to um, the changing of all conditions we are currently facing with climate change and and heavy rain within the cities <clears throat> on changing weather conditions, also um, cyber attacks and uh, terror coming um, um, with the digitization, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think resilience um, is one of the most important aspects to keep our cities functional and to make us sustainable. Just if we are functional, we can be sustainable, and just being resilient means that we can stay functional. Thank you, Shireen. Very interesting. You brought up so many interesting adverse events. I appreciate the definition of what I call level setting. Holger, we'd love to get your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'd like to add here something. Um, what always comes to my mind, I'm, of course, yes, you need to work in this direction, but you know, what always comes to my mind is all these nice technologies and all what we have here is more or less cross-department. You know, so um, if you talk about, for instance, about resilience, as you described, Shireen, with a bridge or something like that, we talk about the traffic department, maybe the construction department, maybe uh, some uh, traffic police, or I don't know what, things like that, you know, and uh, maybe the purchase or procurement as well, because they have to procure the right technology, etc. And this is, a, in my essay, it's really an experience, it's a, it's a real challenge currently, you know, because departments are usually working in silos, uh, they are not very much ready. Uh, to share their information or to share their data to make it information when you correlate it. And uh, this is uh, something that we are faced here. My hope is, and, and I see it in some cases already, um, that uh, these cross-department technology forces the department to collaborate in, in, a, in a better way. Okay? Thank you very much, Holger. A lot they, of good they, thoughts they, here. Yeah, you know, the... They, they cannot ahead. escape from that because they need to exchange data, and this is this is what makes it sense and smart, you know. Thank you, know. you. Michelle Hovitt. Love to get oh, your thoughts on this. Sure. So um, again, combining the thoughts both from Shireen and uh, Holger, it's you know tying the pieces together. I think it's very interesting because absolutely, cities are geographic entities, right? Within those particular boundaries, you have all this infrastructure, things that you know are life and that's um, sustainable. For example, water, running water. So if there is some sort of um, attack that uh, either cyber attack or physical attack or even just climate change and there's, you know, algae in the water, things that happen over time, all this mm -hmm. infrastructure is certainly foundational. So I think there are technologies that cities are looking at to monitor, track, and understand and be resilient when something does happen. So I, I love that piece of adding resilience 
almost to sustainability. And then what I think is going to happen over time, we're seeing the statistics everywhere that more people are moving to cities, but I think we're creating, and I'm making up words here, but like a megaopolis. So over time, while you have these geographic boundaries of cities that function within their areas, uh, many times cities work together in collaboration and share services to share um, 911 dispatch calls, for example, or other things. But I think over time, we're going to see cities that are joined, um, for example, in my state, Colorado in the U.S., all the way down a highway corridor. Does it make sense to have 50 cities along that corridor? Maybe mm. in 20 years, we'll have a megaopolis. So there's one city, and we can connect all of our smart devices. So right now, things are being tried and tested in little pieces and pockets of cities to expand further, but I would like to push our listeners to think about um, thinking bigger picture, and these, you know, these types of technologies could include um, smart devices, smart vehicles running on top of our infrastructure, or even sensors in the infrastructure like the water systems or the streets, roads, and bridges where it could, you know, sense vibrations or sense failures or, you know, do predictive maintenance, that type of thing. But I, I think what we're going to see in the future with these smart and connected cars, because I would love to drive somewhere and just be on my phone and social media all the way to going versus <laughs> driving in the future. Um, I think all of this is leading towards intelligent infrastructure. Why can't we, with the technology coming out in the cars, mandated here in the U.S. by 2020, why can't we use heads-up displays? Um, there's, you know, a GM car coming out now that has hands-free driving. Um, why can't we connect all that and have a sensor come up on the dashboard or on our smartphone, um, similar to what Waze is doing, and alert us there's a, you know, a accident mm-hmm. on the side of the road and it involves sure. um, multiple fire trucks and others. Please move over now. It's a half mile up ahead. Move now. So you know, there's just things I think we can do as we start combining all of these cities together to work smarter. So building on both the comments of both Shireen and Holger, I think you know our future is very interesting and right, but we need to try and iterate, fail, and moving forward. It is. We will. I have two things to say. Uh, number one, you gave me a perfect segue to where I'm going to go next. Some comments from Holger that we didn't get to yet. But Michelle, I looked up megapolis, and actually there is a word megalopolis. It's uh, called mega, megapolis or mega region or super city. It's defined as a chain of mm-hmm. roughly adjacent metropolitan areas, which could be somewhat separated or may merge into a continuous urban region. And what they cite here on Wikipedia is the Pearl River Delta, interestingly enough, the southern China coast mega region and also the unified Jakarta-Bandung metro region in northern Jakarta mega region, as well as the Yangtze River Delta Corps. Isn't it interesting that they're mentioning uh, cities in Asia right here when they're defining? And the term comes from Patrick Geddes in his 1915 book, Cities in Evolution. Used by Patrick Geddes. Interesting. A lot lot of background on this. Great, great conversation here. Uh, Shireen, I'm going to let you wrap this one up because I'm ready to move on to another topic. We have a little bit of time left here in Holger's notes. So, Shireen, anything you'd like to add? Not not really. I also think that collaboration is the most important thing we have to start now. We need uh, collaboration between governments, municipalities, businesses, and the research community. And um, this is um, a big task. On the other hand, we need uh, the silo breaking within the municipalities, which is uh, an even bigger task. And we need intersectoral coll- collaboration of the industries. And this is what we're actually trying to promote. 
Thank you very much. And Holger, a great segue here from the two ladies into what I want to go in your conversation. When I introduced the show, Holger, I mentioned residents, businesses, organizations, and then I mentioned tourists, of course, but we talked about the ecosystem that may be beyond the limits of the city. So I'm looking here and you say in your notes, new ecosystems evolve without control of the city administration like, and you know what I'm going to say, Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, 3D printing, blockchain, share economy. City officials have neither access nor influence on the rules and ways these ecosystems work, act, generate profits, etc. Holger, can you tell us a little more, please? Sometimes it's even worse because they even have a clue sometimes, you know, rather than influence. You know, um, we, we see generally a city as an ecosystem, you know, consisting of various areas. Just as we discussed, you know, there's a part of uh, resilience and safety security, the part for traffic and transportation, environment, health, education, of course, uh, let's say regular, um, uh, regular um, administration, budgeting and all these things. So, and this all somehow works somehow, and even in megapolis it's even harder. Um, um, and now we see the development of this, what you mentioned here, like Uber and Airbnb and blockchain and all these nice things. And uh, these are uh, results of technology. They are driving technology, you know, just to bring this a little bit together here. And um, cities usually are working, uh, let's say, a little bit slow. Right, um, they are uh, they stick to their uh, legal um, uh, regulations and all that what they have here, and, and they have to do this and that way. Da, 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 da. And, and something fast evolving like like Uber or like blockchain is coming up, and uh, suddenly nobody there has a clue what happens or has an understanding. I mean, everybody afraid of blockchain because it's uh, linked with uh, deeply with mathematics or so, which is not right, but it's okay. And it that way, and um, and now you see there's some. For instance, economic uh, activities, transactions. Let's just let's uh, use blockchain as an example. You know, uh, and it's not only about uh, uh, moving uh, money like in, in Bitcoin or so. And uh, the city or the administration has no clue about this, has no uh, access to it, has no understanding, and then and they cannot, for instance, tax things uh, that are going there uh, like, like like economic transactions. You know, and this is. Um, in my eyes, due to the fact that they uh, don't see it that fast, they don't uh, they ignore it for a while, uh, and this means they will be ignored. But these things are um, evolving internationally. You know, mm-hmm. like like a blockchain is running internationally; it's not only limited to one city, you know, mm-hmm. and or one 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 region or something. And this is this is um, something, um, as I said at the beginning. You know, we have an exponential growth of technology, and this is one of the effects that we have here. And um, that's why I think um, not only cities, by the way, but but uh, and not only the administrations there have to deal and to cope with that, have to understand it, and have to be fast. And this leads to the to the question. It's, it's just giving one example. We have. With the hopefully tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow or Wednesday, in newly inaugurated uh, government in Germany, after mm-hmm. half a year, we have one um, person there which will become responsible for digitalization, and this is a cross function. You know, because it must not be one minister or so for, let's say, interior or financial or something. So this needs to be cross-function or uh, cross-administration or cross-sector or whatever you call it. Because these technologies are dealing with all these areas. And um, this uh, this is, I think, the, the, the real chance and challenge here to, to handle this correctly or, let's say, uh, sufficiently. 
you know and and that's what i what i mean when i say sickle uh, systems uh, ecosystems are evolving there without control or even uh, uh, access of of uh, city administrations and city responsibles yeah. I will not say this is generally the case in each and every city. It's different, of course, but it, you know it's there and it's visible, and this is something they have to deal with. That, and of course, we cannot. <laughs> Was that Shireen I heard? Shireen, you want to say something? Please yeah. join us. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, sorry for interrupting. Um, I totally agree with all what Holger said, but we actually cannot blame the people for being slow. Imagine the officials working in a municipal organization. Um, what kind of education do they have? The politicians, what kind of educations do we have in Germany? They, they are not prepared to follow these fast-moving processes we are currently um, seeing in societal development. And... Um, so we cannot blame them for being slow or not for being prepared, for not being prepared to answer no. the processes. But we can blame the people um, in case they don't react to that development. They have to realize um, that digitization will change all aspects of our urban life and they have to embrace technology and to um, pave the way to enable uh, technology to move within the city and to do and to do it in a version that is um, that is okay for the livability we are striving for and um, that re- brings me back to the point of education I started with because we really have to educate the people on all levels all stakeholders need to learn what will be changed through digitization and what impact digitization will have on our city life and uh, which developments we have to expect. And that is actually my personal uh, mission. I'm trying to educate students, uh, municipalities, industries, politicians, and on all levels we're trying to explain what we have to do now. We have to start. That's my message to Holger. Sorry. Thank you. That's that's fine. Holger, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Maybe I, maybe I can respond a little bit. Um, I just Please. give you two, two examples. Um, I'm, I'm very um, closely dealing with the city of Berlin, for instance, Germany. On the one hand, Berlin uh, wants to attract, in particular, startups to settle down there, to build their business, to develop their business, etc., etc. On the other hand, they have a very restrictive, uh, even, I would say, negative attitude, for instance, against Airbnb. How does this fit together, you know? This is not really logic, you know, on the other mm-hmm. hand, it's just an example. I mean, um, you are right, Shireen. It's it's a question of um, and everyone's question of education and all these things. That's correct. It's as well a question of legislation. You know, if I see the legislation, for instance, in Germany, uh, in regards, let's say, of um, information you get from a, a, a government or maybe city authority, it still needs to be done on paper by law. I mean, in times of internet and blockchain and all this, this is so stupid. With all respect, you know, yeah. So this is something that that all does not really fit into it. And 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 on the other hand, I remember I had um, um, one or two years ago. I don't, don't know exactly what day. Uh, I was on a on an exhibition there, and um, I was approached by a group of about twenty students of um, let's say city administration or, or government administration. And um, the guy there asked me, "Oh, can you tell them a little bit about?" SAP and what they are doing, public sector, blah, blah, blah. And I did, of course. And I looked into 18 
empty faces. Only two mm. of them, students, 20, 22 years old, you know, only two of them were really interested in these new things that we presented there. The rest, I'm, I was sure at that moment, the rest all were, were already thinking about their pension. You know, and this, this is something, yeah, I, I can tell you, I can tell you, yes. You know, civil society, wow. you know, Germany, anyway. I want to get Michelle into this conversation briefly because okay, we're yeah, just sorry. about ready to go into the predictions round where I'm going to give you each 60 seconds to wrap up. So, Michelle, thoughts on what's been uh, transversing, okay, yeah. transposing or transversing between um, Holger and Shireen? Thoughts? Yeah, I have lots of thoughts, actually. And I think what I'm seeing here in the U.S., at least in my home state of Colorado, is that they've learned from their sharing economy experiences from Uber, from Airbnb, and they're actually looking at trying to figure out how to engage these emerging technologies. So, for example, for blockchain, the state of Colorado has introduced a bill, Senate Bill 086, and this was introduced um, to look at blockchain technology to secure private data from cyber attacks. And it suggests that using a distributed ledger would eliminate the need for paper records and in-person updating of such data. It would solve the state's problem of data collection and retention issues and, you know, produce a more secure record. If this bill's passed, it would direct the Colorado's chief information security officer to evaluate the costs and benefits of using distributed ledgers across all of the new technologies coming in the door. So I'm pushing back a little bit saying I think some people are forward-looking and looking into policy and direction and legislation. And I uh, agree with Shireen that also that we just have to start. I mean, you have to educate at all levels. And I think there's leaders that we can look to, like Estonia. You can become an e-resident of Estonia and start a business. I had a conversation over the weekend with some millennials that want to figure out how to do an auto parts um, sharing oh. business with Estonia using blockchain to secure the transactions and ship old um, German car parts over to, to the U.S. So you never know where it's going to start. And then just quickly, I want to leave with there are ways to educate yourself, not only for government stakeholders, but also consultants like um, myself at my firm, as well as elected officials. So I am here today at a five-day training session um, at the um, Government Blockchain Association. It's a global entity. And after these five days of training and a test, um, I will be able to be a certified blockchain government associate. And so we're covering things like blockchain foundation, <laughs> um, rules and regulations around yep. crypto, um, architecture, managing blockchain projects, and finally leading through disruptive paradigm shifts. So I think that the door is open, and I think between the three of us, we just need to push that door wide open and go forward. You just kick it open. There you go. I'm, I'm very uh, intrigued by your blockchain training, Michelle. We'll have to get you on another show and talk about that if you're willing. I know you will be. I, I'm going to take all of that, Michelle, as your prediction because we're just about out of time. Shireen, I can give you 30 seconds, quick summary, 30 seconds for your prediction. What's coming down the pike for smart cities, technology, and collaboration? 30 seconds. Shireen, go. Regarding the city development, I expect that bigger cities will emancipate themselves from some national developments. Those cities will have the task to create livable and safe municipalities, as we mentioned them before. And due to their financial power, they will have the opportunity to overcome the traditional or conventional ways of doing business. And I think that they will find new ways of shaping urban economy with new attitudes towards profitability expectations, growth targets, and the management of negative external effects. And I'm looking forward to see that. Thank you very much. We are too. And Holger Talovitz, 30 seconds for you. Predictions, go ahead. Yeah, I think cities must work for their citizens. 
And, uh, I mean, it's a general statement, I know, but that's it, what it's all about. And uh, they must be attractive both for the citizens and for those who are working for the citizens, which are the civil servants and employees in the city, as I just described here. By the way, Michel, we need to talk about this later. Um, otherwise, um, I'm quite sure that uh, citizens will not uh, grow in the way they expect, but uh, they will be probably even lose their population. Thank you very much. I want to say thank you to Michelle Hovind at KSM Consulting. Always a pleasure, Michelle. Dr. Shireen Etazadzadeh, such a pleasure to meet you. I hope you'll come back. And Holger Talovitz, good thank job you. getting everybody together. Thank you to three of you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This has been another episode of our very special series focused on smart cities. We call it Game-Changing Smart Cities of the Future. Here's my call to action. A quick shout-out and thanks to our engineer, Aaron, at World Talk Radio, the business channel. And here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. I wonder what kind of IoT sensors might be built into that coming soon while you're texting in your self-driving car. Michelle Hovind, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game-Changing Smart Cities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.